You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum. Fil hawari sinii al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome to this edition of the China Africa Talk podcast with me Bridget Mutambirwa. In this edition, we delve into the Belt and Road Initiative but from the perspective of the youth. As the youth, when you think about the Belt and Road Initiative, what comes into mind? How much do you know and why is it important to be aware of? I was lucky enough to catch up with Rion Vandermeerve and Dong Xunxie in an online discussion about the BRI from a youth perspective and how some youth in Africa and China have taken it upon themselves to raise awareness among other youth in getting involved. Our first guest, Rion Vandermeerve, is an academic in African politics and international studies and also works within the youth diplomacy space in South Africa via SA Bricks Youth Association and the SADC Youth Forum. Our other guest, Tong Xuxie, who I will be referring to as Hazim, joins us for the second time. Hazim served as the second president of the Student Association of the Belt and Road Initiative, also known as Sabri. Rian and Hazim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us here today online. Yeah. Hi, it's great to meet you. Let's perhaps begin with Hazim. The BRI, what does it mean to you from where you stand? What are some of the flagship projects in your country and region? Home town is in Guizhou, China, a former national poverty-stricken county, mm-hmm. and I have participating and witnessed the transformation of my hometown from a national poverty-stricken county to a fast-growing GDP, mm. and the people's living standards have improved significantly through development. Rian in South Africa from where you stand what does the BRI mean I thanks so much Bridget I think first of all I would start with the relevance of the BRI I think from a global perspective just as a young person who moves in international relations spaces the BRI is one of those projects one among many which is trying to reshape the way that the sort of post western world works and I think that's very important from an African perspective and if you ask most African youth today mm-hmm. uh, especially those who move in universities and those kind of spaces many of them will agree that we require a more global south approach to you know the way that we govern ourselves the way that we seek development and those kind of things and I think the BRI really offers an opportunity to create one of those systems based on economics and trade the african experience in terms of development and also from a young person's perspective having studied development and being interested in that mm-hmm. obviously africa has looked up to china as was mentioned by my co-guest china has had a rapid experience i mean in the last few decades it's managed to lift millions of people out of poverty and for a continent like ours which also consists as a whole of about 1.3 billion people there's really this desire to emulate that to be able to uplift the continent because as we know the region remains one of the poorest in the world and one of the ones most in need of development but at the same time it's also the one with the greatest potential given the fact that the majority of the continent's population is youth i myself traveled to china in 2019 i was working there for a year i lived in shanghai and so i was personally inspired as well by development stories of shanghai i was visiting 
visiting many of the museums there, many of the initiatives that were going on, listening and reading to some of the academics that were writing on development at the time. And that's actually what inspired me to come back to South Africa and further my studies um, and do a master's degree in international relations to try and understand how Africa can, can emulate that, but at the same time become an active participant. We obviously can't be inactive, and I don't think any African young person wants to be in a narrative where we are taking handouts from anybody, whether it be Europe, America, China. What we seek is partnership. Mm. So I think that's where I would stand from a youth perspective mm. and looking into the future for the BRI. Mm. And what are some of the flagship projects in your country or perhaps in the Southern African region that you could mention. Mm. I think it's difficult to say this is a BRI project, that one's not a BRI project. I think it's a merging of many initiatives that want Africa and China to actually work together towards common development. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think the main projects at this point are in your sort of key economic sectors, very much inspired by China's own experience. As my co-guest mentioned, China's own growth has been very much stirred by things like manufacturing, like infrastructure investment and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they, they've brought that model to the African space as well. And they've been investing a lot in sort of your industrial parks and your railroad. We also also have quite a few stories of the railroads the Chinese have helped to build in Africa. That's the direction of, of the main investments. Hazim, how do you view the impact of the BRI in the lives of youth in China or perhaps in Asia in terms of opportunities, which offers opportunities? But I'd like to also know from you, as a Chinese youth, how do you view the BRI in terms of opportunities? Yes, yes. I really like the point raised by Ryan about the collaboration between China and also the maybe some of the African countries' governments. Take cultural interaction, for example. Cultural interaction is one of the most valuable aspects of BRI collaboration. I myself was an intern at a hydroelectric power station in Uganda several years ago, and our project based was at the source of the Nile River, which was not far from its capital, Kampala. And I found that the local rural people next to us, next to our station, they were very willing to share their happiness with us and also their cultures. Although maybe the languages is not that easy for us to communicate with each other. Okay, so from your perspective, you'd say that for the youth, they view it as an opportunity for exchange cultures. Yes. How about you, Rian? Is it the same thing in South Africa? So I think I definitely agree with, with Hazim in terms of the fact that there's a lot of opportunity for cultural exchange. Mm. There's a lot of opportunity for co-empowering. But I think I would then also add to that, that there is a sense in which the BRI is not as well known amongst people in South Africa and in the African context more broadly. Um, And I say this not as a critique, but rather as an area of opportunity, because there is still a lot of young people that need to be engaged by this initiative. So if I was to go out now and ask the average young person on the street Mm. about the Belton initiative, they would not Mm. have any idea of what I'm trying, what I'm talking about. So it's very important that I think before we have the conversation of what young people think, Mm -hmm. that we have a conversation about whether young people actually know enough about the BRI to make an accurate assessment. Mm-hmm. And as much as I've said, and this is this is my belief that the BRI and other initiatives to cooperate between global South countries is a post-colonial activity and project, there is also this perception amongst young people that don't necessarily understand or have different information about, for example, China and its relationship to Africa. Mm. And that creates a narrative where there's also the potential for for this initiative to be seen as neo-colonial in the sense of it's actually trying to impose a certain view, it's trying to impose a certain uh, way of doing things, because in the relationship between Africa and 
both the West, Europe, China, there is that power imbalance. And so I think uh, in these initiatives, it's very important for us to understand first what these power balances are and how they can be counteracted, at least in the perceptions of young people, so that young people don't feel like, okay, no, they're coming to us and, you know, giving us handouts, Mm. but that it's actually a cooperative environment where they feel we are engaging on an equal level with an equal partner. And that's just very much, I think, also a matter of perception. Mm. Um, I think the average young person in South Africa, I know, for example, from TikTok, there are many Chinese people living in South Africa. And if you follow their experience and how they've experienced it, many of them still experience, for example, a lot of prejudice and bias for being Chinese Mm. because the local African people in our countries, our own citizens, our own young people don't necessarily understand much about China. They still have a lot of biases and perceptions. And in the same way, many Chinese people having lived in Shanghai, also still having lived there amongst expat community from Africa, Mm. also still have a lot of bias and, and prejudice against African nationals. For example, during the start of the COVID, there was an incident related cleared up. But of course, that kind of thing seeps through to the African youth on this side. And I think that's just a matter of information and, and perception that really needs to be cleared out of the way before we can start talking about the actual benefits that this has. Okay, but um, it's it's interesting that you highlighted these, some of these points. Can we say, though, that because there's people like you, Hazim and Rion, you understand the BRI. You've both had an experience of living in Africa and in China. Can we say that students and young adults are eager to spread their culture and knowledge throughout the world with this project? How do you see things? Yeah, thank you for raising that, because I think that is perhaps the silver lining around this entire project is mm. that there are initiatives like what Azim is doing, what we are trying to do through the South African Bricks Youth Association in South Africa to try and get common consensus and start drawing young people into Africa, China, BRI relations and those kind of things. I think at this point, it's still very concentrated in your sort of elite spaces like universities. I mean, in the African context, Mm -hmm. only about 1% of the population are actually in the university space. Mm -hmm. So even if you do reach you know, all of your students in the universities, you've only reached a very small fraction of the youth population. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to create those platforms for the average young person, your entrepreneurs, your traders, your civil society activists to start engaging with the space. Because I think it's also been up to now, at least speaking from a South African perspective, it's been very one-sided. For example, you would go to a university and there would be a Confucius Institute. And the Confucius Institute is obviously one of the key centers where Chinese knowledge and literature and culture is shared with the university community. But again, very small microcosm of the broader African, South African society. So there really is need for these kind of spaces to mobilize students because obviously they're your sort of future leaders, but then also go out of the university spaces into general society and position a youth agenda where young people can see themselves reflected in, for example, when the BRI conferences happen, when the FOCAC conference happens, they only see, you know, these statesmen from China and Africa engaging in meeting, and the meetings seem very far off from the reality and the lived experience of the average African young person who is dealing with poverty, with unemployment, mm-hmm. they can't find a job. And so to link those two up and show them that, look, what is happening here in this mm-hmm. space, these conversations happening, these economic plans being developed around uh, BRI have a direct relevance to you as a young person. And I believe that's the space where there's still some opportunity and that's the space where people like us, I think, are trying to push and pioneer uh, those perceptions. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? 
Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. All right, it's quite concerning. A lot of youth don't understand what the BRI is, and that's one of the reasons that I've brought the two of you to this platform today to discuss your perspectives. What's the situation in China? Can we say that Chinese and African youth who are more knowledgeable on these issues are they eager to spread their culture and knowledge throughout the world with the BRI? How's the situation in China? Okay, so I think the question is very significant because, as just mentioned, many effects has been indicated that young. People can really spread their culture, no matter where they are, no matter they are Chinese citizenship, no matter they are from outside China, no matter they are of the framework of BRI or not. Even though nowadays it is obvious that not many Chinese youths really understand or, or they really know BRI, so that's、mm-hmm. why we have to. Promoted in our own way. As for me, I got the opportunity, and I generally some students would choose. They prefer to choose to go to Europe and USA. But for others like me, during that period of time, I chose to go to some less developed areas to conduct my research. So only when I worked and interned in African continent can I really realize that every youth must go to African continent to see what reality is, to see what has been happening. Over there,、mm-hmm. so after returning to China, I actively participated in the construction of the BRI Youth Platform and grew up to be the president of the Student Association of Belt and Road Initiative,、mm-hmm. which was Sabri. We young people from more than 80 countries with common dreams run forward together. So I think this is very crucial for us to really recognize that we youth are the future of the world. So we have to. Take our responsibility.、Mm. And you just mentioned that you chose to go to Africa. I'd like to know from you which countries would you say the youth most want to be involved with in the BRI projects? From where you stand, and perhaps why? Mm, as far as I know, many students are willing to grow up and see communicators of their own culture,、mm-hmm. as just mentioned before. However, you know, like the market structure and development of each country is not the same, so、mm-hmm. it needs to be looked at on a case by case basis.、Okay. So I think the best is to go to a needy part. Of the world to make their own contribution and use their knowledge and skills、mm-hmm. they have learned to help more people. For example, like for more people in their hometown in need, and also it may be a small step from a one or two youth perspective.、Mm-hmm. But the power of the young people around the world, if we gather them together, this will be very huge.、Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, Rian, I'd like to know from you. Besides being seen as an opportunity, though, for improving the economy, can we also say the BRI is becoming an opportunity for youth to become global citizens in terms of realizing the importance of being open-minded and cooperative? I definitely think so. Yes, starting with my own experience, as I mentioned, I, I had lived in China for a year after I'd done my studies, and then I stopped before going into my masters and traveled、uh, to China. And I think, just as Zim said. 
that it's important for Chinese people to come to Africa and experience at least one time in their life, experience the African context. I would also say it's very important for those in Africa to go to China at least once in their lives and experience that, not necessarily just on an economic level, but on a social level, on a cultural level. I think one thing that really resonated with me very strongly when I was in China Mm -hmm. is that China is one of those societies that has very intentionally decided to take its own destiny into its own hands. And regardless of opinions and discussions and debates, the principle that they govern their own future, I think is very central. And that's one thing that inspired me very much. And coming back to the African context, I think there's a general sentiment among young people that they too wish to take their own destinies into their own hands and create a future that is contextualized to the needs of Africa. Mm. And so I think just from that kind of inspirational perspective of seeing the potential futures that can arise, I think initiatives like the BRI present that kind of cross-pollination of ideas. Because in Africa, obviously, we've for a very long time had one kind of way of looking at society. Mm-hmm. And it was usually not necessarily the, the one that was was our own. It was imposed on us. And then after that, we adopted it and continued with it. But I think over the decades, you've realized that it doesn't necessarily work. And here I include not just China, but also most BRI countries. Because if you go to, for example, India, mm-hmm. there's a similar movement there. If you go to places in the Middle East, there's a similar movement there. This idea of trying to shape your own place in the global world rather than just accepting a carbon copy from another place in the world. So I think that's one of the values of initiatives like the BRI beyond just the economic benefits. You just mentioned beyond the economic benefits. What area opportunities presented by the BRI are youth interested in? from your side? The ones that I've engaged with through our work and through our organization and our association focus very much on the areas where they've seen China showing a strength in. So for example, the ones that I know are in engineering. I know of many students that have gone to China to study engineering, to study in the sciences, to bring that knowledge back. Mm -hmm. That's seen as sort of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think in the technology space, there's also a general recognition that the Chinese society has useful knowledge to be shared. But at the same same time, drawing on the example of, for example, the BRICS Business Council. So the BRICS Business Council has a skills development working group and they have a skills challenge every year. And so this year, China was the chair of the BRICS. And so they hosted the skills development challenge. Um, and in as part of that, there were things like web design, app design, but then obviously your more technical things uh, or your more physically technical things like engineering, mm-hmm. uh, like chemical engineering, those kind of things. And I think there's a general trend that we noticed that there are some areas which African youth are not yet participating in mm. um, and cannot yet compete in, but there's still a desire to participate in those areas, regardless of the technological limitations that, for example, mm. we face here. So it's a very forward-looking kind of approach. And how about in terms of job creation and cultural diversion? How is it going in China? Um, So in China, the Chinese government collaborated with many of the projects outside China. So it helped create the career positions. But a huge proportion of these positions are for the local people. Mm-hmm. which means that they are not for Chinese citizenships. For example, in, in the hydropower station I stayed at four years ago in Uganda, there are approximately 
more than 800 percentage of the of the of all the staffs over there they are from the local cities like Kampala in Uganda and only a very small proportions of the people they are from China. Okay. How's the situation like, Rion? The BRI, is, it's already been put to action with construction supported by numerous countries. In your country, what are some of the projects um, you know about? How are they doing in terms of job creation and culture diversion for the youth? I think speaking on job creation, firstly, um, I think obviously in South Africa, we have a, we have a very large unemployment crisis at the moment. So mm-hmm. The issue of jobs has become quite controversial and quite politicized in some sense. And the reason I raise that is because, again, drawing back to the perceptions that there are many Chinese initiatives ongoing in South Africa. I don't think all of them are linked to BRI necessarily directly, but of course it's linked to the broader relationship between South Africa, Africa and and China. But at the same time, even though it might create jobs uh, in certain communities, as as Hazim has mentioned, I think there's still a perception that the Chinese presence is more a threat to job creation rather than a a stimulus. And that might actually be, again, a a matter of perception, a matter of public um, information uh, and those kind of things, because I don't think the average sort of citizen in South Africa and and African countries necessarily know the initiatives and the impact that they're having on the economy and the benefit that they're bringing along. Mm -hmm. All that they see is that I don't have a job. There is a Chinese person over there, you know, doing some kind of construction thing, even though they are a small portion of of the entire project's labor force, they see that and they think, why does that person who is a foreigner have a job and I don't? So in South Africa, it's become a very politicized issue in Africa more broadly as well. And I think that's a very important conversation to have when we start talking about the employment benefit and those kind of things, because as we know, perception is just as important as reality. And I think it's important for us to start conscientizing young people on the opportunities rather than the sort of criticisms that have been launched. Mm, considering that the youth are the future, as you mentioned, Hazim? Yes, I'm here. Rian just mentioned some interesting points there. Moving forward, how should young African and Chinese partners engage with the BRI in your perspective to clear up some of these issues and challenges? Okay, so, so I think towards this question, I have a lot of things to share, but I really like the points Rion just mentioned that even though we are facing with some stereotypes, so we need to really take our responsibility to really help us to understand, to communicate with each other better. I'm going to ask you the same question again, just to wind up this edition. I'd like to know from you, Rion, moving forward, how should young African and Chinese partners engage with the BRI from your perspective, considering some of the issues that you raised? How do we get it to be more engaging with among the youth so that it's not something that or just seen as something high level, top level, at a ministerial level or a diplomatic level. How can we move forward? We are the future. And it's quite concerning after um, mentioning that some of the issues that you mentioned, that it's seen as a risk and uh, not as an opportunity. How do how should we move forward? How should African and Chinese partner? All right. Thank you for that question. Yeah, I think this is really the question that everything comes to because in the end we want to be moving forward despite all the challenges that I've now mentioned. Mm. Um, I think from from my perspective and also from the association that I belong to, we very much believe in a multi-stakeholder approach. Okay. Uh, in the end, it's, if, if young people come together and they do something, but it does not have the broader support of other sectors of society, you know, mm. your civil society leaders, your older civil society leaders, 
your private sector, and especially your governments, because the governments are, are at the at the forefront of these kind of initiatives. Mm. Then the youth initiatives, they they have good energy, they have good uh, you know enthusiasm, but sustain they're not sustainable because they don't have the resources, they don't have the backing to mm. really grow in the way that that they can if if given that kind of support. Mm. Uh, and that's what I think associations like my like my own and um, the one that Hazim leads is is very key in because in the end, if government was to come to us and say, okay, we want to support youth, mm. we want to get you involved. If we didn't have that organized structure, there would be no way for us to 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 get to bring youth together. So mm. that's one component. The other component is for these other stakeholders in society to really realize that that they have to include young people in these initiatives. Mm. The corporate sector in both countries need to involve young entrepreneurs and young people in their work and in their agenda, not as a sort of uh, box ticking exercise, but mm-hmm. as an active recognition that one day these young leaders will take forward these relationships and, and they need to, to be equipped. After you have awareness, then you have interest. Mm-hmm. After you have interest, then you have participation. For example, this, this very interview that we're doing right now mm-hmm. falls within that category of interest and participation. Mm-hmm. Um, the youth conferences that are held, the youth summits, the BRIC youth, the BRICS Youth Summit, for example, the mm-hmm. BRICS Plus that's hosted every year. These are, are spaces for interest and participation. Mm-hmm. And including youth is not just merely, as I said before, a, a box ticking exercise, but is integral to the entire success of the strategy. Mm. I get the feeling that certainly a lot that needs to be done in terms of awareness, government and corporate support and active participation. That's correct. Okay. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have on this edition of China Africa Talk. I'd like to thank Hazim and Rion from South Africa for sharing your insights on the Belt and Road Initiative in the eyes of the youth. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.